listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, welcome to Proof Text. I'm Dr. Mario, and this is a segment that we like to call What's in the Name? Um, if you've been walking with us, we've been uh, going through the different book names of the Bible or names that the books have. Um, in the instance of we've talked about Joshua and Ruth and Esther and a bunch of other names, uh, we're currently walking through the minor prophets. Last week we went through Hosea. Uh, this week's prophet is the prophet named Joel. Hosea Joel is the next one in uh, the English Bible order. And so, as we come to the prophet's name, Joel, let's remind ourselves of the three things that we cover in these segments. One, what is the etymology of the name? Two, how does their name help us understand their story? Three, what is the theological impact upon us as we consider the book that is at hand? Let's begin with Joel. Joel's name is quite straightforward and easy, uh, though it sounds um, not exactly what uh, uh, we would really prefer it to sound like. Uh, Joel is Yoel, and so we hear the L, which means God. That's the general term God in Hebrew and Semitic language. Um, but Yo is actually a derivative of Yah, such as Yahweh. And so we have a lot of names that have the Yah in their, um, in their name built in, Elijah, Yah, um, and things of that sort. Uh, Joel is Jah, uh, but uh, of course we enunciate it Yo. Uh, Yoel, Yahweh is God. Both names, the Yahweh portion and the El portion, is referring to, in this instance, the God of Israel. Now, it is quite interesting as we then consider the second step. Uh, how does his name help us understand his story? It really depends upon where you date Joel to be. Where you date Joel to be. Uh, I've seen anywhere from 835 BC down to the 400s even, and I would very much disagree with the 400s. I would probably be closer to the 835 or right before, at the absolute latest, right before 722, whenever Assyria finally carries the northern ten tribes away to Assyria. Um, Joel's message, if set in the pre-Assyrian exile time period, uh, really is quite apropos. Let's remind ourselves of a couple things in regard to the story. Well, of course, we had uh, Saul, David, Solomon. That was during the United Monarchy. And then we had following thereafter Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam is the son of the king. Jeroboam, who was a confidant, a general, sort of kind of the king's cabinet, um, led the northern ten tribes to separate and not only politically, but also theologically. Uh, Sandy Richter and some other people that I like to read like to say God would, be, would have been fine with the political separation, but he was not fine with the theological one. And so whenever we talk about the sins of Jeroboam, it is the fact that he led 10 tribes of the north to cease worshiping Yahweh. Of course, Jeroboam, what, how did he do that? He built two temples. He built one in Dan and he built one in Bethel. Um, and he put golden calves in them. Hello, book of Numbers and Exodus. Like, did we not think through this already? Anyway, 
Um, and so the sin of Jeroboam is idolatry and worshiping something else. And I know that there's some debate in regard to the calf potentially being a symbol of Yahweh. I don't hold that view. I think it's idolatry. Why else would the authors of the Hebrew text say that it's a sin? Um, and so as we come into this, if he set in the pre-Assyrian exilic period, Yahweh is God, is a really interesting concept. Let's also set the situation that Joel is actually more than likely down in Jerusalem um, doing the prophecy, but sending his prophetic messages up to the north toward the northern ten tribes. And uh, his name comes to bear in several locations in his book. It's not a very big book. I'd encourage you to read it and find them there with me. In chapter 2 and in chapter 3, we see Joel's name actually come to the foreground, okay? Um, it, of course, it, it is a phrase, um, but it, it is the intention of Joel's name that is in there. So chapter 2, uh, 12 through 14, has several verses that are apropos to his name. Here you go, verse 12. Even now declares Yahweh, Return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and wailing. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to Yahweh, your God, uh, because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, great in uh, chesed, which is covenantal love, and relenting of harm. Uh, who knows whether he will uh, turn or relent and leave blessing behind him in offering or a libation for Yahweh, your God? 27, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am Yahweh, your God. Go down to uh, chapter 3, verse 17. So you should know that I am Yahweh, your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. So as we read that and we think about it, it it's kind of an affront to the northern ten tribes. Why are you worshiping up there in the north? Uh, God is down here with us at Jerusalem. Um, that becomes a question uh, with the Samaritan woman and Jesus in the New Testament. Your ancestors say to worship in Jerusalem. Mine say to worship at uh, Mount Gerizim. Um, what, where should I worship? And he says in spirit and truth. And I think that kind of also permits us to connect back here. Yahweh is God. At the time when the north was worshiping other gods, and ultimately that led to their um, expulsion, exile under the Assyrians, we need to hear the voice of the prophet saying, Yahweh is your God. He's not just a God, he's your God. So Yoel is Yahweh is God, but it's also more appropriately stated by the prophet, Yahweh is your God, not just a God. Acts chapter 2 is where I like to go whenever I talk about Joel's name and connecting it over to the New Testament. Uh, of course, Acts 2 is Pentecost. Hopefully you're familiar with that, the coming of the third part of the Trinity. It indwells the temple, indwells the apostles. They begin preaching. Everybody says, what is going on? Are they drunk? Of course, Peter then begins this wonderful sermon that we have in chapter 2. Uh, and he quotes from the, uh, from the prophet Joel, and, it, and it's there in Acts 2.17. In the last days it shall become... I declares the Lord God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young, uh, your sons will and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even on male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. 
Of course, it's Lord, capital L, in our English Bibles oftentimes, but I think in the context, Yahweh saves is appropriate to put in that instance. Call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Um, I like this. He's grabbing um, the, the Old Testament. He's bringing forward Yahweh again to the New Testament, plugging it into the Christian life, first century uh, Messianic Jews at that point, and saying that if you don't believe Yahweh is God, then you will not be saved. In fact, if we go over to Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul does a very similar thing in connecting it back, I think, over to, uh, um, to Joel. And he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And of course, Romans 10 is talking about who can be saved. In this original verse, Paul is quoting um, the verse has Yahweh there, and it goes back to the prophet's name, Yoel. Uh, Yahweh is God. So this often then becomes problematic for some people who struggle to see Jesus as being God. Because, of course, we do see in the book of Acts, believe in your, mouth and confess, uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. Now, Jesus is Lord, Yahweh is God. Literally, those are parallel phrases in the book of Acts. And so some of my Jewish friends really struggle to understand how I can appropriately call Jesus Lord God. Well, I would point you over to Jesus where he ends up saying, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For the Father and I are one. And he goes on in many other ways. He teaches and espouses this. And so do many of the disciples that go on to be letter writers of our New Testament. So Yahweh being God really matters. Had Israel listened and heeded the voice of Joel, that Yahweh is their God, come to Jerusalem, maybe the Assyrian onslaught that they suffered would not have happened. And I want to throw that over to our modern day context. If our friends and family do not believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus is God, the pending onslaught post-life, it is coming. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is God, um, I think salvation is offered unto you just as it would have been offered unto the Israelites who ultimately were carried away by the Assyrians. This is a thought and a concept. It depends upon where, again, you stick uh, the prophet Joel. Um, and I think that I like Joel in the situation of the oncoming onslaught of the Assyrians. Even if it was during another time period where the Israelites were buddying up and uh, waging war against Jerusalem, I think the message still fits there as well. Why are you fighting against Jerusalem and Judea? You should join us and worship Yahweh. So look at the different considerations of the timetable of where you put Joel, put him on the map, and see exactly what the outcome is. I tell you that regardless of where you put Joel, it is a truth. It's an evangelistic call to know that Yahweh is God and not some golden calf or some other gods that they were tempted and swayed to worship. I'll see you in the next video. Bye-bye now. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glow'sahouse.com today. Glow's House.
language resources for the global community.